Hey team, it's Syra, and this week we are doing the dang thing and talking about all things crypto. This is something Megan and I have been exploring for a while, and to be honest, going to CryptoFest was something special and something exciting. So we spent a week in Miami learning, listening, and finding out all of the things so we could share them all with you guys. So without further ado, let's dig in. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by Stockwitz. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. We've missed you. And by we, I mean mostly Megan. Mostly me. <laughs> uh oh, we're doing that thing where we laugh at the beginning and we're not supposed to laugh. And I'm why? trying to why take are a we, sip. Why aren't we supposed to laugh? Because it gets too giggly and no one wants to listen to us just giggle. They're, I have a, an amazing laugh and I like your laugh too. I feel like people would be in support of lots of laughter, no? You know, if they're true fans, they are. They just have FOMO. Maybe that's it at the end of the day. They're like, God, uh, I wish I was there. I had one of my girlfriends turn to me and say that she was like, sometimes I just wish we could like all have a glass of wine together. <laughs> I know. I feel like that all the time. So, all the time. Someday when we live in the same city and we can like cheers each other on a regular basis. How's it going, Meg? Are you ready to talk? Yeah. I mean, God, it's been, I've been talking about Miami. <laughs> <laughs> with everyone I run into, which is not that many yeah. people right now. I'm like, you know, and it's a leading question. I'm like, so what have you been up to? And they're like, oh, you know, at home, what have you been up to? I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I went to Miami, Florida for a week to Bitcoin 2021. And then they're kind of like scratching their heads, looking at me like, does this chick know anything about Bitcoin one or does she own a lot of it? It's either or. <laughs> it's always one or the other. There's no like in between, right? And it's like, I agree with you. I think Miami was definitely the highlight of my conversation, despite the fact that I had to fly to LA for work directly after that. Yeah. And people were still asking me more about Miami. I think people are, are curious about what the culture is like and I don't know, even how it's growing and if there was anything interesting that either of us took away from the event, which for better or worse, I think both of us probably took some things away. I also took away miles less sleep than I wanted to. So sleep was not a priority for us that week. Not no. even close. No. Yeah. I, I feel like we've been dancing around this topic all season. You're like, we'll get to it. You know, we've talked about <laughs> NFTs. We've dabbled in crypto. I'm like, what about this crypto thing? And you're like, we'll talk about it. I think now's the time where we got to like break down crypto a little bit. Just a little, though, because I feel like this is going to be a really beautiful series down the road when we're ready to really, like, dig our chops in. Mm, yes. Yeah. So should we take a quick break and get into the meat of it? Let's take a quick break. Okay. Okay. So, Meg, I would love to hear how you feel about crypto and, and kind of what you think about the crypto space, but also... Do you feel like you now understand cryptocurrency better after having gone to the conference? I think you asked me this question like our last day there. 
And my first response was, no one has told me why I should buy cryptocurrency, even though we're at Bitcoin 2021. And it just feels weird that I'm walking away that no one has tried to convince me of it. But at the same time, I think if you were there, people assumed you either had a lot of it or you already had some. And so, yeah, I feel like they assumed by arriving and spending the money to go to the conference, you were already convinced. Right. I wasn't. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. But I think my biggest takeaway from it was just the economy has just developed around crypto land. You know, there's companies that are publicly traded that are there. There are, you know, tons of booths that we saw at the actual conference. But then all of the people that we met, they're like, oh, I work at this company and I do this and we just IPO'd. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like there is something to unpack and potentially get into inside of crypto. And I just don't even know where to start. I was like blown away by the experience. Met a lot of cool people, did a lot of cool things, got zero sleep and promised I would never drink again (laughs) afterwards. But yeah, I don't even know where to start. And I think a lot of people feel that way, Sai. Like when they look at the crypto world in general, they're like, how is a 28-year-old, you know, running a multi-billion dollar company like how does that work how did they get there how do I get into this and so it makes me think like maybe we should just start at basics of like what is cryptocurrency that's where I start I'm like maybe we should start there but before we get into that I want to hear what you took away because you have a lot more knowledge in this space than I do yeah I I mean, full disclosure I definitely went to what you and I have so lovingly been calling crypto fest I went there with a little bit of a skeptical eye. So coming from traditional finance, even fintech, I think fintech people tend to try to disassociate themselves from cryptocurrency, whereas I see a lot of similarities between the two spaces, particularly if you were trying to break into fintech like 10 years ago. I think it had the same kind of eye roll that's never going to work attitude from people that were in traditional finance. And you're seeing a lot of that today as it regards to cryptocurrency and people that work in crypto. What I kind of love about going there and having experienced it now is there are so many nuances to each and every individual niche within cryptocurrency. It's not just about Bitcoin. I know that we were only supposed to be looking at Bitcoin, but I mean, there was an entire corner that revolved around NFTs, which, you know, those are Ethereum products and you're supposed to purchase them, hopefully with Bitcoin. But I found, you know, you and I were discussing how difficult it was for me to even attempt to purchase something when I did attempt to buy an NFT. And I also think the surrounding events, so not necessarily the conference itself, I personally found the conference to be pretty much the same as any other conference you go to that's a little bit blah. It has lots of people. There are tons of interesting institutions and presentations of things that I probably wouldn't have expected to see there. But at the same time, I wasn't particularly fascinated by the event in itself. I thought a lot of the ancillary events that we went to, some of the stuff that was going on on the side, some of the more secretive events that were going on, those were way more interesting to me than the actual conference itself, which I think tends to be the case most of the time when you attend a conference. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was not blown away by the actual conference. And I think some people need a little bit of creative marketing help in that space, but we that's not what this is call about. Call Megan. Um, call Megan. <laughs> yeah, call me. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. 
yeah, I'm still reeling on it. Still reeling, trying to piece it together. And again, going back to the fact of how do I even get into this? How do we get into this space? And how do like normal people that are just trying to learn about finance, should they even be considering it? Like you said, you came into it a little bit skeptical. Yeah. And then when you left, did you feel less skeptical? Well, so it's twofold for me. So I still think there's a ton of credit risk involved in terms of cryptocurrency. And there are ways to mitigate some of that, but not all of it. I think there is a, it's kind of like seeing, you know, the tip of the iceberg, but not understanding how big the iceberg is, right? So you and I had the benefit of talking to a lot of people that are on the institutional side. So not just retail trading, which I think is the most vocal population, both in social media and in general, like people love to talk about the fact that they're trading this stuff right now because it's a very spicy topic among friends, especially similar to meme stocks, let's say. But some of the people that I was talking to were more on the institutional side, which is historically my background, right? So I used to do institutional sales of derivatives, running into you know people that I have traded with previously in previous lives that they were like, yeah, like we just jump ship from, you know, Goldman Sachs derivatives and or whatever entity, like massive investment bank they belong to. And now we trade on the institutional side for XX public company or XX massively huge company that's probably going to be public soon. I was, I mean, you saw me at one point. I was so stunned that I stopped talking. <laughs> well, I've never seen you like that. I was like talking to somebody and, you know, I'm just like talking to everybody could care less who they are. We're yeah. typically like that, you and I. And we're just like having a conversation. And I look over you. You're like deer in headlights. And I was like, what is going on? And you're like, can we go sit down? <laughs> I was like, something is happening. And I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was. It was when you start to see people on the institutional side really bulking up, and I think that actually speaks to something that a lot of people question about Bitcoin. They're like, oh, it's you know, it's a Ponzi scheme. The biggest bag holders are these individuals that are extremely wealthy. I do think that there are some people that probably own quite a bit of Bitcoin. I don't think it's as small as everyone thinks it is. It's also been proven multiple times. I mean, if we look at you know Tesla's balance sheet, they bought and sold Bitcoin seamlessly. There is no individual marking that you can say for certain is where Tesla bought or sold Bitcoin. I feel like considering the large sums that they were purchasing, we would have seen some kind of movement there. And having that caught, like, so that was kind of sitting in the back of my head going into this conference. I was like, well, I think there's more liquidity to cryptocurrency than people probably think, which ultimately to me means that it's probably actually a pretty viable product or asset for people to be buying and selling. But I wasn't 100% sure. And then when we were sitting among what I'm going to call the greats, and they're talking to me pretty blatantly about the institutional trading that they're doing and how like massive companies and, and honestly, by other financial institutions are also buying and selling cryptocurrency, creating derivatives on it themselves. I mean, doing all of the things the rest of the market does. That was when it really clicked for me. And that's when I went silent. I was like, oh my God, this is actually very real. People just haven't fully come to that realization yet in traditional finance. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So let's take like 10 steps back. And knowing that people are listening to this and they're like, what is cryptocurrency? How would you define it? I actually want to flip the script on this. I want you to define it. No. 
Anarchy. <laughs> Fuck. Let's see. How would I define cryptocurrency? It's a digital-based currency that's unregulated. That is probably the simplest way I could define it. So no, it's not tangible. No, you can't have a dollar. No, you can't put it in your wallet. But you can put it in a digital wallet, which you better. <laughs> yeah. Such as Coinbase, but Coinbase Pro. <laughs> These are the things I'm learning. <laughs> I think the premise of it, like most things when they start, was, you know, awesome. It was like, oh, it's currency for everyone, unregulated, et cetera. And then the irony is that we're at Bitcoin 2021 and they have secret events where things are actually going down. And you're like, isn't this kind of going against the premise of how crypto started? The irony was not lost on me in those moments. But that's how I would define it. How would you refine my definement? I actually think you hit the nail on the head. The only thing that I would add to that is that the cryptocurrency sits on a type of technology called blockchain, mm -hmm. which is what makes it decentralized. And it's also how they build the cryptocurrency. So that's the only other thing. But yeah, it's a non-tangible type of currency and there's different types of it, right? So we should probably touch on that a little bit as well. I know we've talked both together about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Are you familiar with any of the other cryptocurrencies or? Well, yeah, Dogecoin. <laughs> That's a meme coin, right? It's a joke coin. coin. Yeah, yeah, but apparently not. People have made a lot of money on it. Well, I, I don't know that they Elon have recently. Musk. Yeah. Well, if they got out. If sure. They sold it. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, Dogecoin is definitely the story of the last bag holder. Whoever's holding that bag last loses. GameStop. It was like GameStop. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Okay. I know Dogecoin. Those are kind of the top three that come to my head right now. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. Is there something like Z? Z something? Zcash. That's the one you sent me an episode on that. That was super Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So good. The Radio Lab. Oh my God, I love that. that yeah, I'm not going to promote another podcast on our podcast, but <laughs> it was an amazing story. What other ones are there? Well, hang on. I want to backtrack a little bit because yeah. Bitcoin's supposed to be anonymous, but it technically isn't. You could probably figure out a lot of the transactions that are going on, where the funds are going, who they're coming from, which mm -hmm. is something that's interesting about Bitcoin. So when you say Zcash, Zcash actually created a cryptocurrency that's supposed to be a zero knowledge proof, meaning it actually has privacy, which was the purpose behind why that was created. Another big one is Litecoin. So Litecoin was meant to be a little bit more efficient than Bitcoin. I think the issue with Litecoin is that there's a lot more of them available to the market versus Bitcoin. So people don't love it as much. It's a lot cheaper, but it's also cheaper to utilize than Bitcoin. So something and it, some of the drama behind Bitcoin is how much power it takes to power. I'm going to call it a ledger, but like to power each transaction as it passes through the Bitcoin network. And that's something we should definitely explore with an actual expert. But it's something I've been thinking about a lot because it's you know, there are environmental, potential environmental issues whenever you want to transact. Yeah. So Bitcoin has created a supply and demand sort of a thing. Maybe that's why it's so popular because there's only a limited supply. Is that right? Well, yeah. So it's, and a lot of the other cryptocurrencies have limited supplies as well. I think one of the biggest problems with Ethereum actually is that they did end up forking because of a huge issue with it. And they 
had they actually changed part of the blockchain, which I, I personally don't love about Ethereum, despite the fact that it is extremely popular and that people build their NFTs on that blockchain. But when you say forking, is that like when a stock splits? Is it similar? Yes. So okay. it's it is they basically changed a piece of the technology and made it such that there was a huge robbery basically and they changed it such that the robbery never happened they erased it ooh which yeah that's a good one we should dig into that at some point but ooh that's kind of scandalous i'm going to write yeah that but there. but it was something that the owners of ethereum the creators of ethereum wanted to do so they did it which is again that's downfalls of cryptocurrency right hmm okay so the big 3 in my head are bitcoin ethereum and Dogecoin, which I don't even know if we can call that. I don't know. I don't know if Dogecoin is big to... I, Dogecoin is, pardon my French, considered to be like a shit coin, right? It's like super popular because it has a really cute logo. But there's no purpose behind it. Like there's nobody's buying Dogecoin with meaningful purpose aside from, you know, FOMO theory. I feel like someone was like, what do people love? Babies and dogs. What's less <laughs> likely to cause tension? A dog. Let's put it on a meme and, and make a currency. let's make it a really mm-hmm. cute dog, too. Like, they picked, yeah. you know, a really cute-looking dog. I feel like Gerber's going to come out with a coin and be like, look at our baby. It's now a coin. Buy it. Because that can be popular. People love babies and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what ways are there to track crypto prices? That's uh, oh, really well, easy. So... I mean, there's so many different places you can track crypto prices. What's interesting about a lot of the crypto platforms is that they all present prices slightly differently. So something that I think everyone could eventually benefit from is a more centralized format where they are actually showing the real price of the cryptocurrency rather than a slightly baked spread within the cryptocurrency. Because when you're transacting with them, they are already including sometimes, sometimes no, but I have yet to see like a true what I'll call like mid when you're buying something. It doesn't it's slightly higher than it should be. So are you saying like I can look at my stocks app on my Apple phone and let's say I have a Robinhood account and I can track cryptocurrency on there. They could have two different prices. Yeah. So if you, let's say you pull up Robinhood and you pull up Coinbase and you put them side by side, they will not have the same price at any one point in time. What? Because they have different spreads inside of their pricing. Does that mean they're charging more? Like Coinbase gets a cut when everybody takes a cut because it's highly unregulated, right? So oh. everybody's like, oh, they're getting so much regulation. They're not getting that much regulation yet. Yet. All of the pricing is different. So if you could pull up Cash App next to Coinbase, next to Robinhood, next to Binance, and all of those platforms will have a different spread. Okay, so that that's a lead into my next question is how do you purchase it? I imagine it's through one of those applications. Yeah, so you know, I think it depends on your desire for interface and like how much you care about pricing. So from what I've seen and this is just me messing around with as many crypto platforms as I can, my understanding is that Binance is actually the cheapest in terms of fees, but I also really love the interface of BlockFi. I love the interface of Gemini. Those are both two that I think have done a really good job of making it easy for me to purchase. 
I'm trying to think of other platforms. I mean, FTX is now getting into retail as well. And I know everyone knows that name because FTX is now also an arena because they do so much in institutional sales overseas that they were able to purchase a physical arena for the Miami Heat and put their name on it. So yeah, that was another one of those moments where I was like, this is real. That was surreal. It definitely was. Yeah. Moments in history. Cryptocurrencies buying entire arenas for NBA teams. It's wild. It's absolutely insane. Okay. So we've touched on this a lot and I know we're going to do more of a deep dive series on it. But when we look at risk, right? Like we've been talking around and dancing around crypto and risk all season. So when you look at risk of buying crypto versus buying stocks in the stock market, like how do you start to assess things like that? So volatility, right? And it's not to say that stocks aren't volatile. They most certainly are. Stocks do not only go up, even though I I know that everybody loves to say that. I do think the volatility of cryptocurrency is fairly high. When you look on the institute, like I always go back to, to how financial institutions handle it. And when financial institutions are asking for like, collateral. So they're asking for backing that's like one and a half to two times greater than the actual product itself versus like, for example, you probably know this when you're looking at a mortgage, you have to put like 20% down and then your house is tied to your mortgage, meaning you have an underlying asset that is collateralizing it. But it's essentially, you know, 80% of your home value is now tied to your loan. You own that whatever your down payment is. So Crypto, on the other hand, would be like two houses to your one loan if you wanted to lend or like lend out cryptocurrency, which to me just means it's a lot more risky than most assets out there. So like, I guess what I'm trying to say, I saw the look on your face just now. I just want to clarify. So when you go to buy your mortgage for your home, it's one house to your mortgage. When you're trying to go borrow against your cryptocurrency, which is kind of my litmus test for how risky it is in the view of a financial institution, they're asking for two houses to your one mortgage. Oh, yeah. And then who owns both the houses? So, and that's the other thing. The houses are owned by your crypto platform. So until you return the money. Yeah. So, and if something happens, okay. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Gemini would be owning your crypto. And if something happens to crypto and it falters, they can sell one of those two houses or whatever percentage thereof that they need to in order to cover you when crypto drops or goes up and down. Huh. Is that related to because it's not regulated? Like I only have to pay one mortgage on a house because it's owned by the bank and the bank can... I don't know that it's just that. I, I think it's so I look at that as like a an assessment of the risk, right? So the bank looks at it and they're like, this is way riskier. Obviously, it's way riskier than somebody that's buying their primary residence, but it's risky enough that you have to significantly over collateralize in order to get the loan. It's probably similar to someone that would want to take out a stock backed loan. So in terms of risk, I would think that stocks are probably get a slightly better instead of like two houses, they'll probably ask for like 1.25 to 1.5 houses if you were backing it with stock versus with Bitcoin. But in summary, I think 
buying Bitcoin is significantly riskier than anything else. But in terms of like your fund money, if you want to shift into crypto instead of shifting into stock, I don't see any reason why you can't. Both are risky. You might lose your money. Put yeah. your bet on the horse you have researched the most is what I'm hearing. Okay. The one that you understand the most and like also understanding if you want to gamble, gamble, right? Stocks are soft gambles as well. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The market could change drastically tomorrow and everybody's portfolios could go to zero. Okay, fair. All right. I have one more question. You touched on NFTs. We've talked about it earlier. Do you own any NFTs? How much do we want to talk about here? <laughs> <laughs> What's your most... Ex- okay, first of all, let's start with what is an NFT? I know we've talked about it before. Non-fungible token. So right now, NFTs are primarily utilized in the art world. So they create like a series of cool art. The most popular one right now is probably the Board Ape Yacht Club. There's also a really cool platform that I know you know about because Rishi, shout out to Rishi, what's up dude? Rishi and I got really into NFT horse racing. Like you laugh every time I say it. So I have culturally through work, I have been raised to love horses and horse racing. And, you know, it's like almost a holiday when I was on the trade desk and like certainly something I bet on anytime I get to be in Vegas during one of the races. And now they have NFT races that are algorithmically decided upon. And you can own shares of horses in horse stables for breeding purposes for people that would like to breed their ponies with yours. I mean, I get it. I mm-hmm. totally get it. It's just a wild, wild thing to think about, you know? I mean, but it also opens it up to people that could never potentially purchase a, an actual horse because it costs, what, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like probably to purchase it. And then the upkeep on a horse is huge. Listen, there's upkeep for these horses as well, but... You have to pay for upkeep on an NFT? Again, non- <laughs> non-tangible digital non-fudge. horse. Yeah. Not, well, it's like a... I mean, I don't know that we have to pay for like food and stuff for the horses, but okay. you do have to like breed them. You have to race them so that they're worth something. And like, I don't know. I mean, I'm still learning, but like I did get... I think I told you, I did get like a download of what's going on inside of the stable and how much, how well they think they're going to perform with the horses. <laughs> Let's be honest. I am participating in a wild ride that's either going to go to zero or it's going to go to a zillion dollars. But, yeah, but either way, it's a lot of fun to watch. Of course. I mean, you got to have fun with your money too. It can't all just be business. I get that. And I'm learning that. Of the whole crypto world, after walking away, I have to say I'm the most excited about NFTs. Because am I allowed to ask why? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, because okay. you know it was a dramatic pause. <laughs> I'm the most excited about NFTs. Dramatic pause because of people like, for example, Beeple, which everybody knows now, but I've been following for about you know ten years because of my significant other. He's an, a digital artist, especially in 3D. He's been interested in it his whole life, and has brought me along for the ride. And I can appreciate art like anybody. But the digital platform has always been really cool. And what was awesome about Beeple is he was so, he put out content every single day. It doesn't mean it was always good, but it was about just like constantly putting out content. 
you know, and then lo and behold, he then sells some of his artwork for how much was it? 27 million, something like that. Like wild. It was a wild dollar amount. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I digress. What excites me about it is that people that put so much passion and effort and love into these things are actually getting some monetary value out of it. And that's exciting. It's putting, you know, new artists up on a pedestal for them to actually make money on the things that they love. And that's really exciting to me. I'm like, I could see a lot of my friends that are into digital, like 3D art and animation, like actually creating a career out of something they just had a passion for. And so that really excites me about it. I I think we should dig into the people want at some point. I think that one was a little bit of a scam, but, but. I do have friends that did like really cool stuff. I know I was just talking to someone on Twitter who he sold an NFT for $5,000 and he was able to donate all of it to St. Jude's like when NFTs were really peaking earlier this year. So there is a lot of there's a lot of social good that also goes towards the NFTs. And like I mentioned, the Board Ape Yacht Club, that's one that gives you special perks if you purchase it. And I know those are going for some outrageous prices on Ethereum and OpenSea right now, which to anyone that's interested in looking at NFTs... OpenSea is one of the more interesting marketplaces where you can see everything listed and what's being bid for. It's kind of like a Craigslist for NFT products. And then you and I actually experienced something really cool that I think has potential future legs, which is potentially turning them into social coins where you can have special experiences with your listeners anytime you're in town if they own an NFT. And I think it would be I don't know. I guess it's probably something we should eventually talk about. But like, no, yeah, I, I, I love that the community based aspect of it, too. And I think at its core, art really has that, you know, it has the the value to the beholder of the art and whatever. But also like a Matisse, we can all talk about, oh, when we went to the Louvre in you know, Paris and what that experience was like. And it, it has kind of a community aspect, the art galleries that people go to and, you know. We're all wanting a, a sense of community and socialization. And so that is really exciting about NFTs too, is the social coins, which, yes, we totally need to dig into more. Writing it down. <laughs> Always taking notes. So I feel like we've dug through the majority. Do you have any last thoughts, Meg, before we before we take a break to add it up? No, I think we should take a break and add it up. Let's do I'm it. Ready. Yeah. Okay. You know, the one thing that I noticed when we were wandering and the one thing I was really focused on is how many people that are here are shilling, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because you have this, not you, people in general, including myself, have this pessimism towards cryptocurrency because there are so many charlatans within the space that is something I really don't love about crypto land, crypto fest, cryptocurrencies in general. And I like walking out of that, I felt kind of this sense of relief that there are, you know, there are weirdos like us, but they're like relatively normal weirdos that are just hyper pumped about the technology in itself. And it's less about selling bullshit. And it's not like the Ponzi scheme that everyone thinks it is. You know what I mean? Totally. I just had a moment that I realized we had designed and you had screen printed our own shirts and sweatshirts. And 
us dodos are walking around and it says it has our faces on it <laughs> in 95 degree weather and it yeah. says never drinking again and then on the back it says girls just wanna and they're all just kind of sitting next to me and i'm just gonna like if anyone's actually listening dm sire and i and like maybe we'll send you one because i have a whole pile <laughs> And they're really cute. And I'm actually not drinking right now. So it's very relevant. <laughs> but we were definitely not the biggest weirdos there. And I, I love a sense of community that's based on like weirdness and being yourself and vulnerable. And so I left there kind of on a high needing a lot of sleep and a lot of water. But <laughs> yeah, that that reminded me of that. But I think the biggest takeaway for me just from crypto all up and the things that we've learned or the things that I've learned over this season has been it's not a gum purchase. And I call it a gum purchase because when you're at the grocery store at Target and you're like about to spend $200 and you're you're sitting there at the register and you're like, okay, yeah, I could use some gum. And you just throw it <laughs> in because it's like a dollar, right? Crypto is not a dollar gum purchase. It is a methodical hey, let's actually look into this. Let's look across platforms. Let's look what's the biggest bang for my buck. And not to mention all the pre-work of how much money do I actually want to spend and the risk I want to take on this. And so yeah. I think after walking away, reeling from the experiences and the people we've met, I think that's my biggest takeaway and my homework that I need to do because I do want to get into the game, the game, <laughs> but I just don't know how. Oh, and so this. that's kind of like my here we go, sort of a thing. And so I need to look for some resources and we should totally post them to our website for people as we find them. I think that would yeah. be smart. Absolutely. And I also think we should do a series with a bunch of experts on crypto to break mm -hmm. it down for us even further. So Absolutely. I guess I have one last question for you, Megan. Okay. Should we create an NFT? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many ideas. Sam, our friend, actually, I brought it up to him last weekend. And I was like, so you know how you create like 3D animations? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I'm like, will you create an NFT for Cyanide? He's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, I love him. That's so and sweet. And let me tell you, his, oh, I'm totally going to spoil it. But his idea has something to do with us drinking wine. And the NFT will like animate somehow. And we'll be pouring the wine like in a circle, but it'll be like rubies into wine or something like that. That I was his initial so idea. Pumped. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. Yes, I'm totally down and we will continue to talk about it. Sam is using my air conditioning this weekend. So maybe, you know, I'll be like, hey, Sam, you're laying on my couch. Let's talk about that NFT. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> but yes, I'm totally down. I love the social currency aspect of it. I love the community we're building together of women to empower them, not that they need empowerment, but just like power them up. You know what I mean? And I think that could be a cool way as the world starts to open up. So like some really fun events too, right? Like we have the means to hop around city to city. We also have the means to do live recordings. Yeah. And I would love to start filling auditoriums with a bunch of women that want to empower each other to take on a little risk and do something a little bit weird. So I live for the weirdness. You know, I do. Girls just want to, Meg. Girls, Girls just, just want to be weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> Girls just want to be weird. Girls just want to be weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're starting to get a little weird ourselves. Should we wrap it up? Yes. Yes, we shall. Mm, love you, boo. Love you. Bye. 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 
Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds. Oh,